Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. I learned a new skill in the last couple of years, and I learned it from Dave Allum, who was just up here, up here on stage. Uh, I learned how to fix cars. And um, I, I sort of joked that this is really good because if the zombie apocalypse happened, I really don't have any useful skills besides sermons, and nobody wants that in a zombie apocalypse, so now I feel like I could be like small engine mechanic, and I, you know, at least I've got some knowledge of that. I learned how to do it because out of necessity, we bought a car for my son, and you know, you, you get what you pay for, and so we bought a cheap car, and um, everything started breaking on the car almost immediately. It was amazing, to the point we had to replace the transmission, which I did not do, and as soon as the transmission was replaced, which is a big deal, uh, we drove it home, and the entire engine quit, so I took the whole engine out and put a whole new engine in it, and once you've done, I don't know, I... Once you've done that, you've done the car thing, okay? And, and I say I did it, like Dave was there walking me through every step of it. I mean, I'm, I'm doing all the YouTube videos, and I'm hooking things and unhooking things. We get out of the big crane, and we lift it up like it's the freaking Ark of the Covenant coming out of the car, and you're like, oh, you know, whatever. So we did the whole thing, and um, it was awesome. And here's what I love about it. Um, it's input-output. It is you read the owner's manual, you do the thing, and you fix, like, there's a science to it. This is engineering. There's things break. You can figure out what they are. You get a new hose. You, you Google the symptoms. You buy the thing, and it, it works. You can even hook up a computer to your car, and it'll tell you what's wrong with it. It'll throw you a code, and you look up what the code is. It tells you what's wrong, and you have to troubleshoot a little bit. I, I, I love that. I love that because my normal job, I don't get that kind of satisfaction, you know. You, you pray and nothing happens, or you, you counsel someone, you go, I don't know if that helped anybody, or you write a sermon, you're like, I don't know if that's going to matter. Like, you just, you don't, you don't get that kind of feedback like you do with a car. Um, and maybe you've experienced that with jobs too, like things like painting a room. Like, you paint, and at the end of the day, you saw how much you painted. It's, it's very satisfying. Um, I wish children came with an owner's manual. Where it was like, well, when you do this, you feed them this, this is what happens. And then like, it, like very input-output, very clean, clear, obvious stuff. It would be so much easier, right, if, if they were like that. But they don't have an owner's manual. Instead, we try writing them. We, we try our best. We, um, a generation before, it was sort of like, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. Or, you know, to about, yeah, here's what, what kids are going to be like. Um, there's a book that's kind of all the rage right now. Uh, Emily Oster's book, um, I think it's called Expect Better or Expecting Better. Um, she one-upped the what to expect when you're expecting, you know. Um, the Christians have done it for years. There's a, a Growing Kids God's Way. It was a very popular thing over the years. Um, we like the idea that... There is a manual or there's, a, there's rules that you follow, and if you follow them, kids will turn out the, the way you want them to, you know, and uh, we, we like the idea of that. Um, and a lot of those books are focused on, you know, oh, the kid needs to drop their nap time, or here's how you potty train them, like little kids. When they get to teenagers, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's less information available to you. You're kind of like, it's the Wild West then, and you're just kind of like shooting your guns and trying to figure it out, and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. It gets a little weird, Right. I try to comfort myself by saying parents have been having children for thousands of years and they figure it out somehow without all the manuals and it, it works out. But I do think there is wisdom to be 
had, and there's things we can learn from those who have gone before us in the whole parenting journey. And so today I want to read you a piece of that wisdom. We read it two weeks ago. This was written uh, by Moses, and, and he, he gave this to the Israelites, the people, before they entered the promised land. So they wandered through the desert for 40 years, and towards the end of that desert wandering, he reminds them of all the rules and the laws and what God has laid out for them and says, you need to live this way when you get into the promised land. I'm just reminding you of how God has called us to live. And uh, give them this, this long speech. And in Deuteronomy 6, it, it says this. Let me read this to you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. We said two weeks ago, this is probably the most repeated words in human history. This is recited by Jews for you know, multiple times a day for millennia. This has been talked about, very important verses. And basically, those verses will tell you, look, get yourself right. Know who God is and know who you are. Know who you are, know whose you are, is a way of saying that. Know, know, understand your identity and understand who you belong to and, and, and get that kind of stuff right. And then parenting becomes... Pass that on, that, that core identity, that relationship to God, pass that on to your children, which is exactly where Moses goes next. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, he says this, you shall teach them, the, he's talking about the commands that are on your heart, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He said, this is the commands of God. This is God's rules, laws, expectations, the guardrails God has given us to, for how to live. And he says, you're supposed to pass them on to your kids. And then he gives examples of how to do that. You're going to do it uh, when they wake up in the morning, you'll teach diligently to your children the faith. You're going to teach it when they go to bed at night, when you're, when you're out for a walk, when you're sort of going out. You're going you're gonna to have this sort of pervade your entire life uh, with your children, and you're supposed to teach them diligently. And that got me thinking, what do you actually, and parents, if you're a parent in the room, let me ask you this question. What do you teach diligently to your children? Probably to pick up after themselves, right? Like that's, there's one that comes up a lot. But what is the thing that you would say, man, I teach them diligently because this is really important. I, I want to make sure they get this. Well, um, reading, how to read, how to do math. If you homeschool, you taught that literally in your house. But even, even if you don't, you, kids go to whatever school, you're diligent about are they learning to read? Are they understanding their times tables or whatever new math is these days? I don't know. Um, like you're, you're diligent about those things, probably, to, to, to some degree. Um, and you do it because you value that they know their times tables and you value literacy. You think like, oh, my kids, I'd like them to be able to read. That would be a valuable thing. Um, what else do you teach diligently to your children? You might teach them about food uh, and go, like, this is good food, this is bad food. We actually have kids in the room right now, so let me just do parents a favor. Kids, Doritos are not food. They're just not. They're chemicals. They're made in a factory. There's not a food group in there. They don't belong to any, there's no pyramid of food that you'll ever see that includes Doritos. Actually, most things that end in Edo is that way. But just, just, I just want you to know. 
Uh, protein, vegetables, these things are food. And parents know this, and so what we do, we teach that diligently to our children. Oh, you actually need to eat the leafy green vegetable. Like, that's actually good for you. There's something in there for you. What, besides that, what do you teach diligently to your children? You teach them maybe literacy, maybe nutrition. You teach them sleeping habits. Um, hey, it's, you need to get your rest, you know. Um, you teach them those kinds of, of things, right? How to, how to respect their elders, maybe. You, you might put limits on their screen time and say, okay, you can't, you can't be on screens for, uh, you know, after this amount of time in a day because that's valuable. You teach children to clean up after themselves. If you, if you value it, you might teach a kid how to hit a, hit a baseball. It's, oh, you just need to know it's a you know, skill, how to, how, to, how to play. What are you diligent about teaching the next generation? Moses says, in 1410 B.C., roughly, Moses says, be diligent about teaching your kids all that God has done and all of who God is. Teach them that. Remind kids of who they are and whose they are. Remind them of their creator. Remind them of the fact that they belong to a community of people. They come from somewhere, and they belong to a certain group of people. We don't do that a lot in the modern world, especially in the West. We don't, we don't think about our family name much. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't say to my kids, remember, son, you are a Barris, and Barris men are whatever. You might say that to your kid. Hopefully you use a different name, but you might say that. <laughs> they ain't mine. Uh, you might say that. Um, but we don't say that a lot in our culture, in the West. Um, we don't, and, we, and we hardly even say, well, you're a Christian, therefore you should do X, Y, and Z, right? Although that, that's a, a valuable thing too. Um, so what are we diligent about? What are we actually putting in the effort to pass on to the next generation? Are we diligent about, I'm a Yankees fan, you should be a Yankees fan? Are we diligent about, you should get straight A's? What is worth impressing upon children? Um, I think our culture has very little answers here. Um, we, are, we are living in, uh, the, the thing I always come back to, I think, in culture right now is a crisis of identity. We, we don't know who we are, and we don't know whose we are. We don't feel rooted or connected to something that went before us, and we're told to just sort of make it up as we go. But rather than just lament that the culture is awful, and I could do that up here, we could have an ain't it awful session, let's instead say, look, I have, whatever's going on in the culture, I have responsibility within my domain, within my home, to pass something on. I want my kids to actually understand their identity. I want them to know who they are. I want them to know whose they are. What if we were just diligent about that? Now that's going to kick up, my guess is, for a lot of parents in the room. Uh, that kicks up a lot of guilt and shame um, because we, we haven't done it well enough. No matter how good we're doing it, we just, a sense of like, oh, I, I, I should have read my Bible to the kids more often. I, we should have prayed more. I should have made sure they're more involved in youth group. Like wh whatever it is, uh, you have your list of some regrets probably already as a parent. I have a list of my regrets too. As we get into this, I just want to let you know there's grace. 
and, and none of us are perfect. And we all have some regrets. You've probably heard the quote, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. And I think, I think there's some truth to that. Rather than spend a lot of energy on regret of what we didn't do a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, um, let's work on today. What is stopping you from being diligent to passing on your faith to your kids today? Well, I think what stops most of us is we don't want to feel like a hypocrite. We are very aware, all of us, we're very aware that we're not perfect. Like, ah, you know, I've blown it. What do I have to tell kids? Uh, how am I going to pass this on? I, I, I feel that, and I'm a minister in the church, right? I, I, feel, I feel as someone who stands up here to talk about it. I feel the, can I get up and say, because I'm not perfect as a parent, and I'm, how am I going to tell people what to do? And I had to wrestle with that because um, I think ultimately if I say nothing, then Satan wins because then we don't talk about it. And it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to have to speak up even if I'm not perfect at this either because it's, it's, it's valuable. It's, it's, it's worth it. We've got to talk about this stuff. Um, so how do, we, how do we actually pass on faith to the next generation? Um, what, what can we learn even from that passage in Deuteronomy? Uh, number one, I would say this. Set aside some intentional times for instruction in the faith in your own home. Set aside intentional times for this. Um, at a basic level, I would just say be part of the community, the faith community. Bring, bring, come to church. Bring your kids to church. Make that a priority. Bring your kids to A10 Kids when they're in there so they can learn there. Bring them to student ministry when they meet on Wednesday night so they can gather there. Um, provide them the opportunities for more formal instruction in the faith. We value kids learning math, and so we send them to school five days a week and go, make sure you learn math while you're there. And the same thing needs to be true about our faith. If we value it and we say, I want my kids to know this and learn it and understand it, um, then bring them to the places where it is being taught and we're working on that together. And this is where parents want to throw a flag, and I understand why. Um, for some reason, though, we, we get in this headspace around religion and children. We get in this headspace of, I don't want to cram religion down my kid's throat. We go, maybe we had bad experiences growing up. I mean, honestly, Sunday mornings was some of my least favorite times uh, growing up as a kid when my mom was forcing us to go in elementary school because she was always uptight and we were always, you know, to dress up and it was just, it was a tense thing. So I get it when we say we don't want to cram religion down our children's throats. But think about it. We don't say that about other things. Do we say, uh, you know, I, my kid just wants chocolate, and I don't want to cram vegetables down their throat? No, you literally cram vegetables down their throat at some point. You, like, do, you do airplane noise. You do whatever you got to do. To Like, we don't do that about other things. We don't go like, you know, my kid just doesn't want to read, and I don't want to cram reading down their throat. I'm not... No, because you value nutrition, you value literacy. The things you value are the things you go, I'm going to pass this on no matter what. This, this matters. What if we take that same approach with our faith? And we go, man, I'm going to make every effort. I'm going to be diligent about this. And, and is there a chance that kids will grow up and they'll, they'll uh, resent that? Sure. I, 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 that, that's possible. Um, but I don't think that's an excuse to not make, to put in the effort and go like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pass on 
uh, I'm going to try to pass on my faith. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of the right example. You know, like I, I, I know people who, um, I know a lot of people who wish their parents had made them stick with piano lessons, right? You're probably one of those people who are like, yeah, I did this for a bit and then I quit. I wish they had stuck with it because then I could actually do it now. And I think there's, there's something there. So in your own home, make an effort to be involved in faith. Uh, and, and be involved when the community gathers. But let's go beyond church attendance because Moses didn't call the people and say, everybody just bring your kids to the temple. Make sure we do that every week and we'll be good. Um, it actually is talking about making intentional choices in your home. So what would that look like? What would it look like to incorporate faith intentional moments in your home? Let me give you a couple examples. Some of these I've done, some of them I haven't. Um, but let me give you examples of what this could look like. Um, as a family, you can pray together before your meals. Easy, obvious time if you're sitting down together. Um, pray, thank God for providing for you. You could pray with your kids before bedtime. That is one of my favorite things, one of my favorite memories with my kids when they're little is doing bedtime routine and, and praying with them. Um, you can make something out of the seasons. We provide resources and opportunities for you to celebrate Advent together every December. And so our family, for many years, we would light candles, we would sing together, we'd read a scripture, we would pray, we had a poem we would recite. Um, we would do this for years together as a family for Advent because we wanted to make that a season and make it intentional. You could do the same thing with Lent, you could do it with Holy Week, you could... Um, make intentional choices around Sabbath and say that, hey, one day a week we are unplugging, we are um, being involved in our faith, and we're going to not work, we're, not gonna, we're just going to have this one day that we honor God, and we're, like, you could make that Sundays or whatever, you could be intentional about that. Um, when opportunities come up, you could say, oh, I'm going to send my kid to Bible camp or church camp. I'm going to send my kid to CIY this summer for Christ and Youth Conference. You could, you could make those choices. People send their kids to camps all the time of all kinds of things. Um, you could say, intentionally, we are going to set aside this time for our kids to grow in their faith. So my challenge would be, like, look at your calendar and figure out where are the spots in the year and in, 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 the, in the week that you will teach your kids. Um, Christmas is sort of uh, the obvious one. Um, but even that, I feel like we've got to be intentional about it or you're just going to get steamrolled by the culture on Christmas. You know? It's, it's Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And somehow there's reindeer and Santa Claus and all of a sudden you're like, what's going on over here, culture? What are we doing? What are you doing with the holy holiday there? Like, so, and I'm not, I'm not begrudging culture for having that. I'm just saying like, if we are going to pass our faith on to our kids, we have to be the ones who go, this is actually what this is about. Bigger one, uh, really, uh, maybe big, bigger, I don't know, but Easter, my goodness, that is celebrated all over the world for millennia now. It is a big deal, the resurrection of Jesus. That is as holy of a holiday as it gets, and yet, a bunny, eggs, what, what are we doing over here? How do we get there? Um, and I'm not saying don't go on an Easter egg hunt. We did those with our kids. That's fine. But you still take the time to go, this is what this is about. This is really what we're here for. This is the real, the, the, the true story of Easter. So intentionally hold on to those things and celebrate them and look for the ways throughout the year to bring your kids around the faith conversations. And then the second 
piece I get from Deuteronomy here is incorporate conversations about God into the natural rhythms of your day. That's really what the text says, right? When you go to bed, when you lie down, when you get up, when you go on your way, uh, you know, teach your children diligently about the faith through all the rhythms of the day. If it was written today, it would be like when you're taking them to soccer practice in your van, tell them about God, you know, like uh, when, when, when they're going to, when you pick them up after school, talk to them about God. When you go for a walk in your neighborhood, talk to them when you're at the pool. Like we, we would, we might say it differently today, but the idea is just the stuff of life through the rhythms of the day. Talk to your Talk to your kids. This is really uh, one of the greatest opportunities you have as a parent because you have so much access to your kids. If you brought your kid to church here, let's say every Sunday for a year, you get, we, we would get, as a church, we would have about 52 plus hours with your kid. Uh, you have thousands and thousands, and you have those moments, you have those opportunities to talk when when the stuff of life happens. When there's a terrorist attack and you tell your son, you know what, God saw this coming and he holds the world in his hand and it's gonna be okay. When your daughter gets her heart broken by a boy because she's getting into that world, you go, you know what, that boy's a sinner too. Right now I'm really mad at his sin. But um, you go, but we all are and we all need grace and we all need forgiveness. Like, You have the opportunity to bring that into the conversation. Just the ups and downs of life. When when grandma passes away, when when, uh, you get a bad grade in school, when you you struggle with a friendship. Like these are the moments throughout the day that you have as parents to talk to your kids and and sprinkle in your faith. Um, I, I think you can help kids process stuff and you can sprinkle faith on that like it's salt. And just drop it in here and there. And I think it'd be useful, and this is an area that I feel like I haven't done as well as a parent, is I, I think it'd be useful to talk about your own disappointment with God and, and, and say, hey, here's the way faith has been hard for me. This is when it's worked and this is when it's not worked. Talk about the times you have been shaken. Talk about the times God was so real to you and the times God maybe was not. Um, you have a story to tell and pass on, even if you're new to your faith. Even if you're just learning along the way, you can share that with your kids at age-appropriate levels as they, as they get um, older. You can make your faith kid-friendly. Uh, my wife has, has been really good at this over the years of taking even complex biblical ideas or ideas about the world and what God has created, and she can speak them in five-year-old really well. And she can take that stuff, and I will try to do it, and I'll go theology nerd and she'll be like, eh, I don't think they're going to get that, you know. And so um, she was, has always been good at taking the complex and, and making it simple for our kids to, to be able to track with and understand. Um, and so, you know, do that. Uh, put scripture up in your house. It says you, it says you shall write these commands, the, the Deuteronomy, it said you should write these commands and put them up on your, your gates and your doorposts. You see this in Jewish homes to this day that they'll roll up a little scroll and put it over the doorpost, um, going all the way back to this, the idea that the, the words of God, the teachings of God are literally physically placed around your home. You can do that too. Uh, a scripture that you, matters to you, that's something that grabs you, write it out, put it on the wall. It's better than the live, laugh, love poster, honestly. Just take, you know, take a scripture and go like, oh, this is truth, and, and have it visible um, in your home. We have a wall in our house that's a chalkboard 
wall. And over the years, my wife has written a lot of great things on there and, and scripture and other things to remind us so that we see it every day of, of what, you know, a reminder of who we are and whose we are. Um, it, it even says, um, in, in, in Deuteronomy, it says, uh, these, are, these, these commands of God are to be a sign on your hand and the frontlets between your eyes. And that's weird to us. Um, I, I think what that meant to, I think it's a little more metaphorical of like, this needs to be in your brain, like front of minds, front and center in your mind, and, and, and in your hands and your actions, like all that kind of thing. Um, you, you should have this sort of infused in your body at all times. Uh, literally, in Jesus' day, a couple thousand years after this is written, uh, Jews were taking scripture and putting them in little boxes and attaching them to their foreheads with like a band or whatever. Like you'd walk around with a, a scripture box on your head. It's weird, but this is, you know, sometimes where, where, where people would go with it. Uh, just this idea of this has to uh, get, get in you in, in, in any way. Um, but I think the concept is still good. Have the, have the words of God in your, in, on your hands, in your mind, so that when kids ask you questions, uh, you have some answers. Deuteronomy 6, further down in that chapter. Remember, these are people who have just come out of the Exodus, come out of Egypt as slaves. They're heading into the promised land. And kids are going to be born who never experienced the Exodus, right? They don't know what God did parting the Red Sea, any of that stuff. Um, verse 20, further down in that same chapter, let me read it to you. It says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statues and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So in that moment when your son says, or your daughter says, what is this all about anyway? You have an answer. In their case, it was, God is real and he has done these things for us. This happened before you were born, but you, un you need to understand where we came from and what God has already done for us and how good he has been and how he gives us these rules not to ruin our fun, but to help us live and to live well. Um, uh, there, there's parameters here, son, daughter. There's, there, there's parameters here that this message, the blueprint, like Deuteronomy 6 is a blueprint. But blueprint sort of implies like architecture and engineering and machinery and things that it's like input output, right? This is not that simple. Um, this is more art than, than science. There's no strategy that we could take in parenting to pass on our faith. That is a guarantee. Um, but I firmly believe that being diligent about it is better than having no strategy at all because hope is not a strategy. I understand that parents feel woefully unequipped for this. You know, there's all these things that, oh, you need to do this for your kids, you need to make sure they're this, and there's these things in culture around, you know, diet and exercise and education and grades and all of these things, and, and then on top of that, the church comes along and says, actually, you should be passing the faith along, and we go, man, I just don't know how to do all that, um, but I think you can do it. Dive into your own faith and understand it better, and then pass that on.
I, I know you can do that because you can learn all sorts of things. There's plenty of dads that can't tell their kids anything Jesus taught, but they can tell them who won the 1986 World Series because we care about it. And we nerded out about that, and we wanted to know. We wanted to, there, there's a story there to tell about the ground ball to first base, and he missed it. Like, I know this stuff, and I'm not even a baseball fan. Um, the things we care about, we can dive into and learn and, and grow in ourselves and then pass them on to our, our, the next generation. This is the real legacy that we'll leave to our kids. So I don't know what your next step is as a parent. Um, it may be... Uh, Join a small group. Join a formation group. Get, dive into your own faith deeper so you know what, to, what you're passing on and understand it better. That might be the next step for you. Um, it may be um, becoming a Christian at all. You go, man, I, I don't know how to be a disciple of Jesus. And talk to us. We'll, we'll, we'll connect you and, and uh, you can get baptized and, and give your life to Christ. And, and that could be the next step. It may be we have a luncheon today for parents where we're going to talk about this some more and let Maybe you need to link up with other parents and meet each other and go, like, how do we do this together? Um, and, and, and that could be, um, that, that, that could be the great next step for you. Um, I just want to encourage you because I feel the weight of this too. Um, we don't need to spend a lot of energy on regret. Um, yeah, there's trees I wish I planted 20, 30 years ago. But... Instead, let's spend the energy on what can we do from this day forward? How, how can we pass on faith, whether our kids are 1 or 10 or 20 or 30? Like, how, how, do, we, how do we stay in this and, and pass it on and, and model it for the, the generation that's, that's coming behind us? I, I think this is the time to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's so easy to feel guilty here that we haven't done enough, that we should have done something different, that we're not getting it right, that there's just one more way that we're blowing it. Um, God, I, I pray that we're not weighed down by that, but instead we are hopeful because your mercies are new every morning, and this is a new day, and there's a new opportunity here, and we can start today, and we can get back at it tomorrow, and we can um, be diligent about passing on our faith. Um, God, all of us are believers in Jesus because somebody passed it on to us. Whether, we have, whether it was our parents or a friend or someone spoke the name of Jesus to us and um, thought we were worth investing in, and God, may we invest in others as well. Um, help us as parents to answer the high calling of, of that role and to... to um, to really pass on the faith. And God, for those who are not parents in the room, um, there's so much good work that those folks can do in passing on faith. Uh, and there's so much support and help and ways that they are blessings to families. And I pray they feel that today um, and that they model faith as well so that um, whoever's younger than them, the younger generation, looks up to them and sees the way to go, the way to walk, um, not just from their parents but from other adults too. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.